you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. An excellent wife. Who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. It is better to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. He will get wounds and dishonour, and his disgrace will not be wiped away. For jealousy makes a man furious, and he will not spare when he takes revenge. He will accept no compensation. He will refuse, though you multiply gifts. Drink water from your own system, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be for yourself alone, and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed, and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer, a graceful doe, let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Good evening, everyone. Great to see you here tonight. Um, before we begin, as we were just singing and worshipping there, I, I had a real sense, and I think it was from the Holy Spirit, that uh, the Lord really wants to speak to someone here tonight. And I, I don't know whether you came reluctantly, and I, and I don't know who you are, but I really sense that there's at least one person here. I think the Lord wants to speak to all of us. But there's one person here tonight who God really is reaching out to you and he wants to speak to you. So I'm going to pray for you, for that individual and for all of us that as we come to this, that it would be, we'd say amen, so be it. Let's pray. Father, as we come tonight, we want to listen to your voice. We want to ask, Lord, that as you promised to be in the midst of your people, Jesus standing here in the midst of us, but we want to know you more. And we want to know you more on this topic that we look at tonight too. So may you speak through these words. May you hide me, but lift up Jesus. And we ask this in his mighty name. Amen. Well, April 14th, 1932 was a day that changed the world. I could ask you if anyone knows what happened, and you would have no idea. I didn't have any idea until I did the research, but this, on that day, 
in Cambridge in a lab, two physicists made a groundbreaking scientific discovery. They split the atom. And nothing in our world has ever been the same since. Tonight, we look at the topic of marriage. I'm very aware that for many of us here, that is something that that may lie in the future. Some of us are already married. Some of us have been married, but for many of us, it's lying in the future. And I want to begin tonight by saying that marriage is like splitting the atom. Nothing will ever be the same again. It can power your world. It can bring light and heat. This is a I think I've got a slide here that's trying to make nuclear energy look good. There we go. It can power your world. It can bring many good things. Or it can incinerate your world. Marriage is like splitting the atom. And Proverbs has got a lot to say about marriage. Um, The context of Proverbs, as you would know, is it's wisdom literature. It's um, seeking to teach each of us how to live skillfully in a world that's complicated and that's difficult. And it's wanting to guide us. Oh, that's not. I'm I'm going? Oh, good. Wanting to guide us in how to do that skillfully. And the context of it is is that it's addressed uh, uh, father and mother addressing their teenage son going out into the world. So that's the context of it. It's not going to say everything about marriage, and I'm not going to try and say everything about marriage tonight, even from a, a Christian perspective. But what it is going to say will be useful, whether or not you are not yet married or whether you are married or whether you're wanting to support the marriages of others. So let's look at that together tonight. And I've got four headings for it. Firstly, marriage is a good gift from God, so be thankful for it. Marriage is a good gift from God, so be thankful for it. Why do I need to say that? Because despite uh, the booming bridal industry, especially down in our part of the world, marriage as an institution has fallen on some hard times. Uh, in the, since 1970, the percentage per capita of marriages in Australia has halved. It's gone down by 50%. The average marriage in Australia now is only 11 years. So many people are not choo- choosing not to get married at all. Many marriages are not lasting. Uh, why is this? Well, there's lots of reasons for the decline, I think. Um, but one of the big ones is why risk making a commitment like marriage when you, you can get whatever you want and need in that department via a less formal arrangement? Why why risk the legal hassles and all the rest of it by getting married? And also, I think there's a very real perception that, as Ambrose Pierce puts it, love is temporary insanity, curable by marriage. (laughs) There's the idea that marriage kills love, romantic love, so why would you get married? So marriage has fallen on hard times. Proverbs insists that marriage is good. It's a good gift from God, and it's there to be enjoyed. Proverbs 18.22, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Listen to this, and obtains favor from the Lord. That last bit's interesting, isn't it? So Proverbs says, if you get married, I think you could say she who finds a husband, I think it could be reversed, you find a good thing and you receive favor from the Lord. I mean, what does favor mean? It's, well, favor is divine approval. It's support. It's God's blessings for you when you get married. Why? I would love the writer of Proverbs to tell us this is why the one who gets married receives favor from the Lord. I think perhaps it might be that because it's running with the grain of the universe. 
When you get married, you, you, uh, you make a commitment and you enter a covenant with another person that runs with the grain of the universe and results in the good of, and stability of society and it's blessed by the Lord. I don't know for certain, the Bible doesn't say, but I think that might be where it's coming from. But certainly, um, marriage is held up. Jesus actually speaks about marriage and he quotes Genesis in the beginning and he says this in Matthew 19, verse 6. He says, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined together with his wife. Listen to this. What God has joined together. Is that what God has joined together, let no one separate. Notice that? What God has joined together. The Bible insists, Proverbs agrees, that marriage is not just simply an arrangement between people that can be entered into or, or extracted from or whatever it might be. God joins them together. God is invested in marriage. If you're married here tonight, God is invested in your marriage. If you're not married but you're looking to be married, God is intimately interested in that choice of marriage partner that you may make. Now, I want to, I'm very aware that you might say, so I'm a single person and I want to be single. No blessing and favor for me. I get left out of this one. No, 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 no. Um, you, you read the Bible as a whole and it's very clear that um, when the Apostle Paul holds up the options of marriage and singleness, he, he kind of goes, look, they're both really good, but if you're going to say which is the better, I think I'd land with singleness. So singleness is a blessed state. And if, you, if you're someone here tonight and you go, I'm not interested in marriage, I'm going to be single, awesome. Um, you can, you can listen tonight because you, you'll need to help those people who will get married. So singleness is blessed, but marriage is blessed too. Proverbs makes it very clear that marriage is a good gift from God. First point. Second point, marriage is sexual and it's sweet. So enjoy it. Uh, that's the message of Proverbs in a very big way. Proverbs says... Uh, to the young man who's going out into the world, what is a reality that we, you and I, all of us know, is that we're sexual beings. We're created with the sexuality by God. It's a good gift from God to each person. And Proverbs highlights sexuality as a good thing, something to be enjoyed, something that's sweet. And Proverbs, though, throughout the book of Proverbs, it keeps contrasting the two ways in which we can go with sexuality. And it does it by contrasting two different women in the book of Proverbs. There's, there's you could call Dame Folly. And she calls out and says, come, come and eat at my restaurant. It's, it's all there and it's tasty, it's salty, it's fatty, it's sugary, whatever you like, it'll taste really good. And then on the other side, there's Lady Wisdom. She's saying, come over here. This is the real food. Proverbs contrasts the two of them, and, and the wrong way, Proverbs says, to express your sexuality is what we would call today recreational sex, casual sex. So, for example, Proverbs 5, 1 to 6 says, My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end she's bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, 
and she does not know it. Proverbs says recreational casual sex is not a good thing. But you and I, we live in this same world where recreational casual sex is the norm. Uh, for most elements of our society in the West here in Australia, that is the norm. That, that's the encouraged. Uh, but if Proverbs is right and living skillfully in the world, going with God's way, going with the grain, this casual sex is going against the grain, we'd expect to see some splinters, wouldn't we? Well, do we see them? I think the answer is yes, we do. If you're prepared to get behind the veneer and the propaganda industry that, that supports this, has made this whole commitment, which is based on a whole lot of presuppositions, you'll find splinters are plenty. Here's a few of them. Casual sex is actually not good sex. Uh, take, for example, a recent article in the New York Times. Um, this article uh, did a lot of research on, uh, with millennials, which is lots of you, um, asking millennials confidentially about their sex lives. Tons and tons of people did this survey. And when they compiled the results of the survey, the, the survey wasn't a Christian survey, it was a secular survey, they were surprised by the results. Uh, the results indicated that there was a general dissatisfaction amongst many millennials with their sexual lives, especially for young women. Um, one, one woman who was especially candid in that survey, she reported that she was having sex with her regular hookup partner regularly, but she said that without alcohol, the two of them could not even sustain a conversation. Um, this is what she said. We don't actually really like each other in person. Sober. We literally can't sit down and have a coffee together. And then, I suppose, wonder, well, I wonder why the sex is not that good. Uh, they're following the script. The script says casual recreational sex, it's just like a, another bodily function. It's no more and no less than any other bodily function you do. And so you just do it as you feel like it and there's no strings attached and it's pleasurable and wonderful. And, Pro and Proverbs would say casual sex is not good sex. In fact, um, it's interesting statistically, and I've got to say that sex can be complicated for all of us. It's not that simple to say that you get married in God's way and your sexual life is always incredible because you're running with the grain of the universe. It's not always that simple. But it is interesting in the United States at least, I don't know if the same is true in Australia, suspect it would be, that the demographic in the whole country of the United States that consistently reports having the highest satisfaction with their sexuality or their sexual lives, you know what it is? Married, middle-aged Christians. <laughs> like, surely that is the most boring demographic for sex, isn't it? Marriage, middle-aged Christians, and yet they self-report having the highest sexual satisfaction. They're going with the grain. And look, the, the view of sex as casual and recreational, it's not just unsatisfying, it's deeply wounding. And I think we, we have to say that, look, you know, the body is designed by God for sexuality, and Proverbs says that stolen water tastes sweet, and bread eaten in secret. You know, is, it, it talks about the fact that there is instant gratification in sex, that it, it, we're designed to be, and it'll be enjoyable in one sense, however you, you practice it. But Proverbs talks about um, there's not only the decreasing satisfaction with, with the, the modern hookup culture, but also there's wounding, deep wounding. And I don't mean here the wounding that comes from STDs, or the wounding that comes from abortion. They're massive. I'm not speaking about those here. But there are other woundings that run very 
deep. You see, today, um, the wisdom is that, that your body is just your body. It doesn't really matter that much. And so you can sleep with whoever you like and however you like, and there's no consequences if you're careful and you don't get pregnant and you avoid STDs. You're all fine. Except there are consequences. Now, the Bible speaks about it very clearly. Uh, Paul the Apostle, he says, don't you know, speaking to the Corinthian church, saying, don't you know, if you go and have sex with a prostitute, you are uniting yourself with her. You're coming one with her. Don't you know that? Paul says to Christians, by the way, in Corinth, he's saying sex, your sexual expression, it's more than a, it's a low view of sex. If you say it's just like, it's just, you know, you and me, baby, we're just mammals, let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel and my time, you know, that kind of song that was going around. If that's your view of sex, it's very low. The Bible's view is very high, actually, that sex unites. And, and you know what? Modern research is discovering some of this truth. So, for example, I only uh, learned about this quite recently, that it's been discovered in the last 10 to 15 years that when a woman has sexual relations, her body releases a hormone called oxytocin, which I'd never heard of before. Maybe you haven't either. Oxytocin is released during sexual intercourse and one other time in a woman's life. You know what it is? Breastfeeding her baby. Those two, the hormones released at the same time. Why do you think that design is that a woman breastfeeding a baby will release that hormone. Because you know what the hormone does? It, it, it increases compassion and tenderness. It, it's, it's a bonding hormone. So both reasons are the same. Because she's bonding with the person that she's, she's sexually active with and she's bonding with the little baby. The hormone's the same. For men, the hormone is vasopressin, which, again, I've never heard of. But vasopressin, when a man has sex, he, it releases a hormone called vasopressin. It's called the monogamy molecule. The monogamy molecule. Because what it does in a man is, is similar to what oxytocin does in a woman. It creates prote- feelings of protection. Uh, feeling, wanting to protect and, and to care for. And, and so some of the sexual therapists, this is not a Christian quote, um, he one sexual therapist, put, he says, when we have intercourse, we create an involuntary chemical commitment. Isn't that interesting? We can pretend and we can follow the script that it's just purely a bodily function, but actually the reality is we bond together in ways we don't even understand, and when we bond together like glue bonding together, you rip apart that glue, bits of one another get stuck. It's messy. Casual recreational sex is not all that it's painted to be. There are consequences. And so when Proverbs warns us of the dangers of casual sex, because it's not new. It's like, hey, we got to the 21st century and discovered recreational. No, it's been around for a long time. Um, 5 verse 16, should your springs be scattered abroad? Streams of water in the streets? And the images of a, of a Middle Eastern town, in, you, know, you can imagine it dusty, Dirty, streets filthy, lots of animal excrement, all the rest of it, and the images of water flowing through that street, muddy. And then people, animals trampling in the water. And Proverbs says, is that what you want your sex to be? In the streets? And he goes on to say, verse 5, verse 17, no, let your springs be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Is that Yours, And he goes on, on to talk about it, saying that, it, that instead of water in the streets, sex within marriage is a clear and beautiful expression. It's a clear fountain. 
It's a, a feast with no remorse or no guilt. Uh, it's interesting that Proverbs goes on to speak in words which must have made the, made the Victorians blush, actually. Maybe it makes us blush. It makes me, me blush a little bit. But it's the Bible, right? If you've got an issue with it, don't come and see me. You, you go and speak to the Bible about this. But 5.18, it says, Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Notice that. Rejoice, it says. A lovely deer, a graceful doe, let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated, be drunk always in her love. I don't need to go any further into the imagery here. You get the picture. Sex is good, it's sweet, so enjoy it. It's part of marriage. But thirdly, Proverbs insists that your marriage, if you're married, or your future marriage, will always be vulnerable. So be careful of it. Proverbs has got many warnings about the dangers that exist to marriage. And and the reality that Proverbs highlights time and again, one of the dangers is the sexual danger. And you think, hang hang on, when I get married, that's all over. (laughs) No, it's not. Your future marriage, and if you're married, your marriage now, your marriage is vulnerable. And one of the ways Proverbs says it's vulnerable is sexually. Proverbs 2, 16 to 19 says, So you'll be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress, with the smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God, for her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back again, nor do they regain the paths of life. The Bible, Proverbs here speaks in, when you read through the book, it's again and again warning those sons about the dangers of adultery. Sexual relations outside of marriage, not just because it damages marriages, because it damages hearts, it damages souls. Uh, Proverbs 27 verse 8 says, like a bird that strays from its nest, is a man who strays from his home. Now, the image there is of a bird that's fallen out of the nest. Have you ever seen that? Cold and dead below. Proverbs says to the men, you stray from your home. You'll be like that. Proverbs insists that adultery is always a danger to every single relationship. And behind adultery stands the evil one himself. You know how I know that? Because Jesus, when he speaks about Satan, he says, the devil comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Steal. He comes to steal. He wants to take the good gifts that God has given you and he wants to twist them and he wants to destroy them and he does that by promising you that, hey, I'm giving you something better. You know, the grass is greener on the other side and the grass is greener. Come from this to that, and you'll find that you're, all the things you're missing out on are there. It's lies. He comes to steal. So, uh, for men and for women, be on guard for adultery. And I think the, the temptation to adultery looks a little bit different for men and for women. I'm going to make some stereotypes, and, and this is not always true in every situation, but it's pretty generally true. Men tend, visual creatures, we tend to get attracted by women who... Catch our eye. They're, they're, 
they're sexually attractive, they're alluring, maybe they're, they're sending the singles that they're, signals that they're available, and that will tend to turn a man on. For women, it, it's sometimes that, but, but often it seems to be more often it's, it's a relational connection. The deep communication and eye contact and, and that kind of, he understands me. He listens to me. I, f- I feel understood. And so I think, I mean, you can talk to me, maybe if I'm wrong on that, I mean, the Bible doesn't say that specifically, but I think it's true. But what I do know is the Bible says, men, love your wives. Husbands, love your wife. If you're going to be a husband, love your wife. How you do that? Well, you know a love language, so speak it. Um, speak her love language. Listen to her. Engage with her emotionally. Um, speak to her. <laughs> Be romantically, romantically creative with her and for her. And you go, oh, I don't know how to do that. Yes, you do. Because you did it at the start. And if you're not yet married and you're a man, you know how to do it. Because some of you are doing it right now. Um, you know how you do it. But the problem is often when men get married, they go, job done. Ring on the finger. Let's move to the next project. Got that one done. And so we stopped doing what we did at first. So love your wives, says the book of Ephesians. And one of the ways we do that is by deeply communicating with her. Wives, Proverbs says, or future wives says, your sexuality is a really good gift from God to you and to your marriage. So don't neglect it. And I know as I say this, you know, there's all sorts of reasons why this can be difficult. Like, I've got a terrible body image, you know, I, I feel overweight and I'm not attractive and I, I compare myself to all of the airbrushed women that I see on the media around me and I'm just not like that and I can never be like that. And, and that's, that, that's, again, those are lies of the evil one. The proverb, proverb says that you and you alone, if, you are, um, if, you're, if you're married, you and you alone are your husband's fountain of delight. There's nobody else. So invest in that part of your relationship. Be creative with it. All right, fourth. Marriage can destroy you. So choose very carefully. Marriage can destroy you. Choose very carefully. This, I think, is a a word especially to this demographic here at The Six. Many of you who are not married, who are in the process of exploring marriage, you should listen to the words of Proverbs because they're Real. If you marry a person with the wrong kind of character, you will pay a long and enduring price. Proverbs pulls no punches. 19.13, a foolish son is ruined to his father and a wife's quarreling is a continual dripping of rain. 21.9, it's better to live in the corner of a housetop than a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. 21.19, it's better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. Now, it's been wisely pointed out um, by none other than Brendan Wright um, this week as we're talking about this sermon that, you know, part of the thing is like, she wasn't fretful and quarrelsome and all those things until you married her, so what have you done to make her like that? You know, like, like you've got to own something here, you know, and I think there's some truth in that, isn't it? What are you doing or not doing that's making her this way? But that's only half the picture, because the other half of the picture is that when you and I are in the courtship stage, when we are dating, when we have our interest in somebody, men and women alike, we are masters of subterfuge and camouflage. 
Because we're like on one big job interview, the most job in, important job interview you'll ever do. You want to impress the other person, so you, you, and you can kidle, you can camouflage the real you that you know that he or she won't like, and you can present the, the, the glowingly beautiful you that you want the other person. And men and women, we both do it. And we're good at it. And it works. And Proverbs would say, be very careful in that stage that you don't just look at that drop dead, gorgeous young woman and go like, she is everything I've ever wanted in a marriage partner. Or look at the man who's so smooth and he's like, mate, he just looks, oh, he's so just, he's got that little bit of a wild side to him. Oh yeah, I can't, you know, whatever it might be. I don't know how you think, that was me trying to imagine. (laughs) But you get the picture. Proverbs says, be careful about what you base your choice on because character is king. And, and Proverbs has one really helpful proverb. I, I don't want to say this is my favorite proverb, but it's, I think it might be close. It's certainly very powerful. Proverbs 11:22. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. <laughs> Do you get the point? Someone who is amazing looking, you know, uh, you know an Adonis of a man, so handsome, or uh, you know, the, the drop-dead gorgeous supermodel woman who doesn't have character, you may as well have a gold ring in a pig and marry that. <laughs> That's its point. You know, it's, it's, like, it's trying to be very graphic. Don't get sucked into that stuff. I'm not saying, you go, oh, Andrew said I have to marry someone that's incredibly unattractive to me but it's got a great character. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm just saying don't get caught up solely in the things because you know what Proverbs says about those things like good looks and charm? It's got a thing. To, Proverbs 31.30 says, charm is deceitful. It'll suck you in. Beauty is vain. The word for vanity is it's like the mist. It's hevel. It's there in the morning, it's gone. Don't get sucked in by that stuff. Character is king. When you choose a marriage partner, character is king. And especially, you need to choose a marriage partner that has the fear of God because that's the beginning of wisdom. That's the beginning of of Lady Wisdom, is a man or a woman that fears God. Character is king. Proverbs 12.4 says, An excellent wife is a crown to her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. Remember the two women? When you think about choosing your marriage partner, one of the most important choices you'll ever make don't get sucked in by Dame Folly who looks good and offers the fast food and the easy choice that it's going to be too tasty. Listen to Lady Wisdom because in the short term, you might get what you want and it might be pleasurable. In the long term, Lady Wisdom offers a far better offer. All right. So Proverbs says that character is king, so marry someone who's wise. Uh, Listen to how um, Proverbs personifies Lady Wisdom in chapter 31. Chapter 31 is an awesome book about Proverbs, an awesome part of Proverbs. It's it's worth reading in detail. I haven't got time to go into, into all of it, but listen to this. Proverbs 31, verse 10. An excellent wife who can find. She's far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good all the days of her life. That's a marriage of intimacy and mutual 
respect and benefit. If you read through Proverbs 31, you'll see that this, this woman is proactive, she's entrepreneurial, she's hardworking, she's diligent. You know what? It never once says what her, what her weight is on the scales or what her complexion is like or how good her hair looks. Never once. It speaks about character. So choose wisely. I remember when um, I was, before I started dating Dana, my wife, um, we were at a camp. Here you go. It's an encouragement to some of you. At Belgrave Heights, no less, where our church camp is. And we were at this camp. And, um, and I got up early. Uh, I came in in the, in the night from Canberra where I was in the army. And, um, and I'd met Dana once before. We'd corresponded for over a year by... We used to write letters in those days, not email. And so um, we'd done that for a year. And so I was, you know, I, was, I didn't know. I was, maybe this could be... Yeah, so I, I got up early, and she didn't know I got up. I stuck my head out of the tent, and I saw her, and um, she was helping. My grandfather was in his 80s at that time. He was becoming fragile, and, and, and she, she'd gone, and she was lifting some buckets of water for him. I thought, wow, no, that's, that's a good sign. She's showing compassion and care, and she doesn't know I'm watching, so it's not like, you know, she, <laughs> she's not just putting it on for me. And, and I think it worked the same way for her, because when, we first, when she first visited our house, um, She'll, she'll tell you this story, but um, the very first time I met her, I was, I was leading her inside to our house where I grew up, and it had one of those spring doors that shut by themselves, and so I opened on the door and went through, and then, <laughs> hit her in the face. So character, character is king. <laughs> Choose wisely. <laughs> but Proverbs 31 talks about um, what's blessed, it says this, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you, you surpass them all. What a marriage partner that would be to find. Character is king, choose wisely. All right, two final things. Number one is a challenge, and number two is a grace. First, the challenge. If you're married here tonight, some of us are, the atom has already been split. And right now, your marriage is already on a course to one of those two options, health and life, incineration. You're going one way or the other. No one's static. If you're looking towards your future marriage, your marriage will not be static. You'll be going one direction or the other. And my challenge to you, and most of us somewhere in the middle, right? And my challenge to you if you're married or if you're going to be married is, Invest in your marriage. It's not just going to happen when you put the ring on. That you, It's like anything in life. You need to invest in it. Proverbs gives you tools for skillful living. Use them. Use them. If you're already married, the whole suites of Proverbs on how, how you use your words, how you handle conflict. There's tons of stuff in this book of Proverbs is useful for marriage, but you're on a trajectory one way or the other. Go towards health. If you are married here tonight, don't wait until you reach a, the point of no return. I think in pastoral ministry, those of us who are in that, we, we, it is often people come to us when their marriage is, it's, yeah, like the, the, it's DEFCON 1 and the, 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 it's about to go. Come earlier. Um, if you are married, during, we've been married 25 years, we've had three lots of marriage counselling. Each one of them were really helpful. You think, oh, pastor had marriage counseling. Yes, marriage is difficult sometimes. 
And having someone walk alongside you can be a really useful thing. Invest in that relationship. You wouldn't have a car for 25 years and never bother to service it, would you? But some of us in marriage, we think, oh, it'll just look after itself. Invest in it. There's a marriage course uh, that is running at the moment. There's going to be another one starting. If you are married, that's a great opportunity to do that. If you are going to get married at some stage, make a commitment now that you will invest in your marriage. There's the challenge and one of the best ways to think about the consequences of that is imagining your own funeral. So imagine that you've been married for 50 years to your spouse and you've died. And you get to watch your own funeral. Imagine that you are seeing your spouse as you are lowered into the coffin. Ask yourself, what will my husband or wife be thinking in that moment? And you think, oh, they'll be devastated. Their lives will be shattered Their soulmate has been ripped from them. That could be true. But I've done too many funerals now to know that it's not always always true. Sometimes, you know, there's there's the grief that you have to, but really the wife is thinking, oh, thank goodness. That controlling, oh, he's finally gone. Finally, I can, my life can open again like a flower. You know, and and you've maybe seen people like that who it's like they've come alive And it can work the other way too. The husband's like, oh, thank goodness. What a shame this didn't happen 30 years ago. You know what I mean? It can be really, really... Think of that as you. And if you are married, ask yourself, would there be something in my spouse? Would they be kind of a little bit relieved? And if that's true, the challenge is change it. Change it. You can change it. It's not static. You can live skillfully now. It's not too late. But finally, a grace. Because I know what some of you are thinking now. Some of you think, well, I've so much for the water in the squares thing and the recreational sex thing, that's long gone for me. Nice of you, Proverbs, to talk about that as the high standard, but I've failed that test many times. Others are thinking, well, I've fallen into adultery already and I've wrecked my relationship. Others perhaps are thinking like, I married foolishly and I know it, and so what am I going to do about it? I'm stuck. Others perhaps are thinking, well, I did all the right things and yet my marriage is still difficult. It's still hard. And you might think, well, what's in it for me? What can I get from this? I want to say that there's a grace for you. And maybe this, as I said at the start, maybe this is the one person here tonight, this is what God wants to say to you now. There's grace. Wonderful grace. Wherever you are at, there's grace. Uh, Revelation 19 verses 6 to 10 says this. Let Let me leave Proverbs. Let's go to the end of the Bible. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, And like the sound of a mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let's rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. The marriage of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. He said to me, 
These are the true words of God. So maybe tonight, maybe you're a Christian and you think, I'm not clean and pure. I've made a wreck of a lot of my life, including my marriage. What hope? You're invited. You are invited to the marriage feast of the Lamb. What's it talking about? What's the marriage feast of the Lamb? It's the moment, the time in history when Jesus, the conquering king, will come and take his beautiful bride. Who's that? It's his church. Men, women, children saved by him. And he says, you are white and pure and beautiful. And on that day, we are, we're going to be white. Like the most beautiful bride in the most beautiful white dress you can imagine at a wedding day. You're invited. Yeah, why could I ever be invited? Because the bridegroom gave his life for you. He died on a cross. His body broken. His life sacrificed so that you might have those pure white robes. So that you might be free. So that you might, he, he loved you so much, he died for you so that he would win you as part of, of his relationship. The, you know, marriage on this earth, as beautiful and as wonderful as it is, it, it's a shadow pointing to the real thing. Revelation says you're invited to the real thing. If you never marry and you choose signalists, you're invited. Marriage is just a foretaste of the real thing. But maybe, maybe tonight, maybe this, I don't, I don't know, maybe, maybe this, is the, this is the part that you need to hear, that one person. You say, I don't know what you're talking about, Andrew. A lamb and a marriage, I don't know about this Jesus that we've been speaking about tonight. You're invited to. You are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. You're invited to the feast. You're invited to the marriage. And if that's you tonight and you go, that sounds great, but how do I respond to that invitation? How do you respond? Simply by accepting the invitation. How do you accept an invitation to a wedding? You type, yes, send. How do you accept the invitation of Jesus? You accept and say, yes, I want to come. And then, yes, things will change. You'll start walking with the bridegroom. And things in your life will change, including your sexuality and including the way you do relationships. But how do you respond? You come to Jesus. And then you find, actually, that all of what is promised in, you're trying to find in sexuality and sexual interactions or maybe in, a, in a, the other half, the relationship, the romance that you're seeking, which will never fulfill you, you'll discover that this is where you will find fulfillment in the wedding supper of the Lamb, in Jesus Christ. So you can respond tonight, introducing Jesus coming up so soon. What an opportunity. Why not come to that? You go, I, Andrew, I'm not ready. Come to that course. Ask your questions. Pray about it. But maybe tonight that one person I really feel in my heart, and, and you, you'll know if that is you. The invitation is extended to you personally. Jesus Christ says to you, Come and follow me. Come, follow me. So the band's going to come up and I'm going to leave it there. But if that is you, you must respond. Don't run away. Thanks, guys. Let's pray. Father, tonight we thank you for the good news. 
that our marriages and future marriages are good, that sexuality is sweet, and that, Lord, you are with us in our marriages when there's difficulty and danger, when, when things don't go as we want them to, and in the brokenness and the pain. And we thank you that because of your love for us and because of the gift of Jesus, there's grace for us. There's forgiveness. There's a new start, no matter what our lives look like in this area. And so, Lord, we, we pray that you would help us to live skillfully. And I pray tonight, especially for those people who are not yet married, people who are wanting to be married and, and looking for a marriage partner, Lord, may they listen to your wisdom. And may they follow the right path. And may they truly be blessed and find favor from you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.